Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcasts. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 076-032-3664. Say hi, and we will connect with you. Our services can be found on our YouTube channel. Enjoy listening to the sermon today as we celebrate the miracle of Christmas. But I am excited for God's Word and who's bringing God's Word It is someone who has a passion for the next generation, who has been in next gen for as long as I can know and remember. It's someone who not only has a passion here at its church for the next gen, but also in her profession as a high school teacher. And her passion is to to see children come to a place of understanding that they are loved by God and they are chosen by Him. And that there is potential that God has for each one of their lives. So each church, my better half is bringing God's Word. So let's give it up for Leandri as she bring God's Word to us this morning. Come on. Hello. Hello, hello. Thank you, love. <laughs> well, good morning. It's wonderful to be in God's house this morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Isn't it special to see how Next Gen has just been doing everything from welcoming to Edge News to Roxy doing the actions on stage. Yes, girl, come on, and hosting Christmas. It's been fantastic, and Daniel mentioned it earlier, but I really want to acknowledge that again, that at the beginning of this year, we we prayed that prayer where we asked God to rebuild our next gen. After COVID, it was really tough for us, and coming back into the swing of things and into normality, just seeing how God has been so faithful and how God has worked things out for His good and for His glory in our next gen. So come on, why don't you put your hands together again. Give God praise for all that He's done in next gen. Well, this entire season at Edge Church has been truly focused on the miracle of Christmas. And as a church, I know we've been incredibly intentional about naming this season, the season of Advent, in such a way that it would continue to draw us back to Christmas. And if we're honest, how, how many times do we go through another Christmas season and we get to New Year's Day and we sit back and we chill and we, we realize we haven't actually even acknowledged the very purpose and reason for why we celebrate Christmas. And so this morning, can I just get started with reminding us the very reason we celebrate Christmas, we ce- celebrate the miracle of Christmas, it's because Jesus came so that we could have life and live it to the full and know that exactly as Daniel said now, now, that heaven wouldn't be without us. So we give God praise for that. And so this morning, I have the opportunity of spending a few moments with you speaking about the miracle of the method. And so before I even get started, I wanted to ask you a question. Have any of you ever really and truly considered how Santa delivers his gifts the night before Christmas? Anyone ever thought of that? We all know that he does it the night before Christmas, but have we actually questioned, how does that happen? How does he do it in 24 hours right across the world? He's only one man with a few reindeer. How does he do it? And some say that Father Christmas has this special um, ability to be able to slow down time. Others say that he's got all these little worker elves that roam around him. I don't know if, if I'm the only person that thinks that Santa needs a different method. Like there should surely be more Santas all over the world with a whole bunch of reindeer sorting that out. Whatever the method is that he does use, Daniel and I were talking about it and we joked about it, but we really truly feel that Santa should really consider consulting with Roseanne because we feel she would be the best person to come up with the best strategy. I mean, that's not even a joke. It's the truth. She will. 
But if we're actually honest, this morning, when we find ourselves thinking about the Christmas story, sometimes we can find ourselves thinking that the method God used to bring Jesus to earth was also a little strange. But it was that method that brought about the miracle of Christmas, Jesus. Listen to what Romans says in Romans 11 verse 33. It says, oh, what a wonderful God we have. How great are his wisdom and knowledge and riches how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his methods. So first thing this morning, I wanna start off by just acknowledging that God's methods are always beyond us and are often beyond our understanding and comprehension. Literally, Romans says it there, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his methods. And so I also want you to acknowledge that the verse starts off by Paul praising God. He acknowledges his greatness, his wonder, his riches, his wisdom, his knowledge is great beyond measure. And I believe it's for this reason that his methods are beyond our understanding. Honestly, when you think about the, the miracle of the method throughout history, especially when we look at the Christmas story, it can seem unusual, almost counterculture to the way in which we would have done things. And if we were given the opportunity to write the story of how mankind should be saved, I'm sure you'd agree with me, we would probably do it a little bit differently, right? Yet God chose to reveal himself in the greatest, most grandest way, and in a way that we would be able to understand. And how did he do that? He came into this world as a helpless, defenseless baby. God chose to be born to humble, poor parents, he wasn't born into a palace, but into a stable. He was born to a young couple whose hearts were pure, but who didn't hold any worldly influence. They were just plain, ordinary individuals. Some would even say that they were nobodies. Yet God chose them to be the parents of Jesus. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 9, it says this, This plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. So by now, church, we shouldn't be surprised by God's methods. We see it right throughout scripture, how he chooses to use the most unlikely methods and the most unlikely people to do his work. I'm gonna list a few examples for you. He chose Joseph, who was the next youngest son of Jacob to become the savior of his family. He chose Israel, the most insignificant nation, former slaves, to become his special people. He chose David, just a shepherd boy, and not any of his older brothers to become the king of Israel. And he chose Bethlehem, a small insignificant spot in, the, in Israel to become the birthplace of his son. And you see the pattern that's being revealed here. Over and over and over again, we get to see how God uses ordinary people through whom he does his extraordinary work. And in Luke chapter two, verse one to seven, we, we see an account of Christ's birth. Mary and Joseph are traveling, traveling to Bethlehem so that they can register for a census. And while they're there, it becomes time for her to give birth to Jesus. So she wraps her son in cloth and places him in a manger because there's no room for them in the inn. Now, if we could just take a moment here. She has to put Jesus into a feeding trough. A manger is a feeding trough for animals, and they were staying in a barn. I don't know about you, but that's one dodgy bed and breakfast, okay? All the moms, I'm sure, are shaking their heads because can you just for a moment imagine having to give birth in a stable? There's do uh, dogs, there's no dogs. There's cats, I mean, there's no cats. 
<laughs> I would have dogs and cats there. There are cows and there's sheep and there's manure everywhere, right? It's, it's really not a pretty sight. She gives birth to Jesus in a stable. And I'm sure, bless Joseph, he's just trying to be the best husband that he can be, cleaning out that trough and putting in new straw and probably using his foot to like move the manure away just so that they have a place to rest their heads. But it was still a barn. And there must have been a reason for why God chose to do it that way. And I can't help but think that it, for the very reason that ordinary people like you and me would be able to relate. See, from the, Bible sto- from the Christmas story, I also noticed that God's methods are focused on using us, just ordinary people. We've seen it throughout scripture and it's the same today. While we may not know the reason for everything and the why behind everything, we begin, when we begin to take a closer look at the Christmas story and the birth of Christ, we start to gain a glimpse of the truth that God's methods are all focused on us. See, even when they want to celebrate the occasion of Jesus' birth, the angel announces this news. But again, I want to highlight to you, who does the angels go and announce it to? The shepherds. Not to kings and queens, not to the religious leaders, not to the famous influencers or celebrities. God chooses to make this grand announcement to the simplest of um, people, the shepherds. And the shepherds are just there fulfilling their normal responsibilities of taking care of their flocks. And again, the more you think about it, the more incredible this whole story becomes. See, God's method is that he uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. The life of a shepherd was a simple one. In fact, shepherds were ranked or were the lowest ranking people. They spent their day and night out in the fields just looking after their flocks. Yet God knew that if he shared the good news with those shepherds, the shepherds would immediately go out and share the good news. The shepherds are just good, honest, ordinary people going about their day to day. Again, something that you and I can relate to. Think about the miracle of the method for a minute here. Following Jesus' resurrection, Jesus appears first to an ordinary, everyday group of women. He didn't show up at the temple and boast before the high priest. He doesn't go and say, I told you so. And again, if it was me writing the story, I'd write it a little bit differently. Jesus would rise from the dead and immediately go in there and be like, what, I told you, look here. But God's plan was different. Following his resurrection, Jesus then reveals himself to his followers. And he gives them the responsibility to go and make disciples of the world, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything he had commanded them. See, to that small life group, his disciples, Jesus entrusted the good news of salvation. Think about what Jesus did. The salvation of the world now rested in the hands of a few who? Simple, ordinary people. And I wanna remind you here that these people were just that. They were ordinary. They didn't have it all together. They were sinners. They were doubters. They had anger problems. And yet you see how God uses them to do incredible work for him. Let's look at what the Bible says about how he uses ordinary people. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 to 29, it says this, notice among yourselves, dear brothers, that few of you who follow Christ have big names or power or wealth. Instead, God has deliberately chosen to use ideas the world considers foolish and of little worth in order to shame those people considered by the world as wise and great. He has chosen a plan despised by the world, counted as nothing at all, and used it to bring down to nothing those the world considers great, so that no one, 
anywhere can ever brag in the presence of God. Church, can I encourage you this morning that God's methods haven't changed. He still uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And our abilities are not nearly as important as our attitude and our availability. I wanna say it again, our abilities are not nearly as important as our attitude and our availability. Isn't that kind of a relief when you hear that your attitude far outweighs any ability you may or may not have? See, God has entrusted each one of us, as ordinary as we may think we are, to share the good news of salvation with others. So this morning, if you consider yourself to be ordinary, to be plain, to be mundane, whatever adjective you use, can I encourage you that that's a good thing this morning? Because over and over and over again, we see how God uses the simplest of vessels to accomplish the greatest things for them. And yet, sadly, so many of us disqualify ourselves because we think we're not good enough, because we think that we don't have what it takes. And so this morning, I wanna remind you that God puts out an invitation to you. He's longing to use you. See, there's another aspect to the miracle of the method that we need to understand. Just like we see God was at work from the very beginning with Mary and Joseph, and when he chose Mary and Joseph to be the parents of Jesus, God is also at work in our lives in ways that we cannot and do not fully understand. And if we're honest, in the same way that we might have rewritten the story of how mankind should be saved, I'm pretty sure each one of us would rewrite our own script differently for, the, for our journey of discipleship and lives. And if we could have a go, it would probably look something like this. Once we're saved and we, we get to know Jesus, we would most certainly always be growing in our love and devotion for him. We'd have no problems, life would be blissful, and one day we would just wake up in our eternal home, heaven, the end. (laughs) How we wish. See, the truth is that all of us on our journey experience problems, pains, and pressures. We experience struggles and sickness. We experience temptations and failures. And it's almost like we take one step forward, and as we take that one step forward, what happens? We just end up taking three steps backwards all over again. There are many high moments and many celebrations, but there are also some very low moments filled with deep sadness, regret, and despair. And so if we're honest this morning, that wouldn't be the way we would have it. It wouldn't be our method. And I'm afraid that this morning, this message is not to suddenly give you all the answers you've been looking for as to why you've experienced what you've experienced or why you find yourself in the very position you find yourself currently. Unfortunately, I don't have those answers and I'm not sure anyone does. But this morning, I have an opportunity to be able to encourage you that when you are going through circumstances, you are not left to despair. We can trust that God is at work in our lives for our good, and we must choose to believe that God is working to shape us and mold us to become more like Jesus. But this does require us to believe the promise he gave us in Romans 8, 28, where he says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. See, even when the angel appeared to Mary to tell her that she would become the mother of God, there is no way that she could have predicted all that that would mean. And Joseph had no idea what would be involved when he obediently listened to the angel and instead of leaving Mary, chose to marry Mary. See, Joseph and Mary endured lots of shame, accusations, embarrassment, and mocking but they also got to experience the miracle of seeing God become flesh right before their eyes. They got to see God. Mary literally got to hold God. Like, how insane and incredible is that? 
And when we consider our lives and all, all the ups and the downs that we face, we can compare our life to that of a tapestry. And I don't know how familiar you are with tapestries, but tapestries are basically woven, um, if you will, pictures or mats that they make. And when we look at the tapestry from the back, you'll see that it's just a royal mess, literally. The threads are going in all directions. There's vibrant colors. And it's the same when God is weaving and working in our lives to produce a beautiful tapestry. See, from our perspective here on earth, we only see the back of the tapestry, like what we see on the screen. But it's actually the front that reveals this beautiful picture. See, when looking at the underneath, we don't understand why it looks so ugly. We can't understand why it's so confusing, why it's impossible for us to understand all these different knots and colors and how everything seemingly continues to change direction right throughout our lives. But one day, we will finally be able to see from the top of this tapestry, the tapestry that God has been working and weaving for us. We will then be able to see how all those seasons of pain brought rich and vibrant colors to our tapestry. We'll be able to see the fullness and richness of the design reflected in all our seasons of joy and celebration. And we'll be able to see the depth of character revealed through all the times of testing and trusting. Church, this morning I wanna encourage you that I believe God is calling us to trust him even in our seasons when we don't see things clearly. Would you hear that invitation to you this morning? Would you continue to trust him even though you don't understand how he is at work in your life? Would you continue to follow him and see how you will be richly blessed? See, the miracle of the method is that God continues to use ordinary people like you and me to accomplish extraordinary things for the sake of his kingdom. And that, for that reason, we must continue to trust that we know to be true in which he is revealed through his son. We must choose to trust that God is always working in us and through us for, his, for our good and for his glory. And he is at work, weaving and working a beautiful tapestry that we will one day be able to see. I want you to listen to what this verse has to say. And, and this verse is from Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. It's been an anchor for my own life where it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And so this morning, you might have heard this message, and you're going, Leandri, you don't understand how ordinary I am. I literally have nothing to offer. And this morning, I want to take a moment to encourage you to hear this, that it's not your abilities, it's not your qualifications, it's not your achievements, it's not even your pedigree. It doesn't matter where you come from. It's your response to become available that counts. If we look at Mary and Joseph's lives, who are the very key leading people in the account of Jesus' birth, they were ordinary people, doing ordinary, mundane things, just going about their day. God called, and what did they do? They made themselves available so that God could use them for His glory. God called, they made themselves available so that God could use them for His glory. He spoke and they obeyed. You see, when we trust someone, we'll easily obey and do what they say. Listen to what Mary says in Luke 1, 37 to 38. For no, and sorry, this is just when the angel appears to her and tells her that she's going to be the mother of Jesus. 
for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. And what did Joseph do in Matthew 1, 24? The angel appears to him in a dream. When Joseph wakes up, he did exactly as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. They trusted and obeyed. Look at the shepherds. The angels come and announce the birth of Jesus. And what do the shepherds do? They immediately go and share that good news. These ordinary people did extraordinary things because they trusted and obeyed God. And I want to take a moment as we end off the service this morning to share what I believe is is a part of God's heart for you this morning. See, Jesus' birth and the very way in which he came down to earth, I believe is actually an invitation. An invitation for you to come as you are. I've said it over and over and over again in this message. God uses ordinary, plain people to do extraordinary things. I believe there's an invitation for you this morning that you can come just as you are, as ordinary and as mundane as you think you are, and all you need to do is say, here I am, Lord, use me. God is inviting each and every one of us to continue to trust Him and to take a step of obedience in surrendering our lives afresh to Him again. And so this morning, I wanna take a moment and invite you to bow your heads just as we have an opportunity to respond this morning. See, I made mention of the fact that I believe Jesus' birth and even the very method in which God chose to use and bring Jesus down to earth, I believe is an invitation for each and every one of us this morning. And maybe as I've been speaking, you've, you've heard or felt that tug of the Holy Spirit reminding you that, hey, she's talking to you. Would you hear what God's saying? Would you take a moment now to respond? Acknowledge your simpleness. Acknowledge your plainness. Acknowledge that which you think you don't have. And then can I put that challenge out to you? Would you surrender yourself to him and say, God, would you just use me as I am? Mary was a simple, ordinary individual. And look at what one step of obedience did. In Romans 15 verse 13, it says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never had the opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus. You've never invited him into your heart and to choose to believe that he's called you. And this morning, it would be my absolute privilege to be able to pray a prayer with you. It's a simple one. It doesn't ask you to stand or to do anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. You can say this quietly. But maybe today there's someone here who would like to invite God into their hearts and choose to accept the fact that this morning would you hear the truth? God has invited you just as you are. No matter what your life has been like, no matter where you find yourself, would you hear the truth of the message this morning? God loves you. His heart's desire is for you and to use you. And so this morning, if there's anyone here who would like to pray that prayer, I would love to pray that with you. And all that you need to do to, is to signal just by raising your hand, Leandri, can you pray with me? And maybe today you need to re-pray that prayer. You find yourself wandering off and you've come back. I'd love to pray a prayer with you. Let's, let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you love each and every one of us.
Thank you that your heart's desire is to live within us and to walk our life's journey alongside us. And so God, we ask and acknowledge first and foremost, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you sent Jesus to this earth so that we could have eternal life with you. And so we ask right now that you would come and live in our hearts. Help us to believe that you choose us day in and day out, irrespective of our achievements, irrespective of who we think we may or may not be. God, thank you that you love us. Come and live in our hearts. Help us in our journey of faith. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up. We trust that you enjoyed listening to the sermon today. We would love to stay in touch with you about your next steps. Please send us a WhatsApp or contact us via our website. We would love to help you on your discipleship journey.